0: Welcome to our September episode of the Crossroads Forum. I'm your host and BIC Executive Director Brian Gould. We have an insightful discussion on tap for you today as we take a preliminary look at the 2024 election cycle and the candidates you'll see on next year's ballot. We currently have five candidates who have announced their desire to be the Republican nominee for the state's highest elected office, and our guest today is going to provide us a little background on each of them. I'm also eager to hear his thoughts on if any other candidates may enter that high-stakes, high-dollar primary race, and of course, we have also have an open U.S. Senate seat for next year, a couple other down-ballot openings as those political dominoes once again tip over in Indiana. Joining us on the pod today, returning for his uh, second appearance on the podcast, Mike O'Brien, the president of 1816 LLC Public Affairs Group. Mike, thanks for joining us and sharing your insights on the the latest and greatest of Indiana politics.
1: Yeah, sure thing. I'm excited to do it.
0: Yeah, great. So, um, so first, how how are things going with the office remodeling? I've, I've seen a couple pictures lately. I know you're you're moving <laughs> to a new location, and uh, you are definitely under heavy construction right now.
1: Yeah, it's uninhabitable. It's completely gutted <laughs> down to the uh, studs. We're gonna be in the lobby of uh, One America tower in downtown indianapolis so we're we're excited about the space and it's easy to get in and out so stop on by if you're ever whenever you're in town
0: definitely nice and convenient to the state house for sure so yeah um so we still have a local government election to take place this fall but it sure seems like the focus is shifting to 2024 rather quickly Um, we've had several big names enter the race for governor um, but before we start to do an overview of each of the candidates, can you kind of talk us through the timeline here? Um, you know, we're starting to see campaign ads going up, but we're still quite a ways off from the primary race. So, you want to kind of walk us through what this sure. looks like?
1: Yeah, it gets earlier and earlier, right? Every, right. every cycle, the, the national, the federal national cycle is endless anymore. Yes. Um, you know, we're we're not quite there in Indiana, but we're you know we're getting clo- close to just an early um start if you're watching football this weekend you saw brad chambers kind of first round ads um eric doden's been on the air for for a little while now suzanne crouch just bought up some um cable uh cable time and and all on a statewide basis all over the state um so all that's starting and part of the reason for that is we've got five candidates and we've got two or two and a half of them that are pretty pretty unknown um yeah Right. So, I mean, part of part of that is these guys, Brad Chambers and Eric Doden, in particular, who have never had elected office, um, have been kind of developers in private life with brief stints in state government, um, who are completely unknown but can completely self fund uh, right. to an right. almost unlimited degree. Um, right. So, starting early makes you know makes sense for those guys in terms of the actual like kind of the procedural process. Um, one thing we always watch around the state house on those even numbered election years um, is the, what the legislature does before the filing deadline closes. Correct. Yes. <laughs> so, so you can start running for, you can file to run for office starting January 10th, which is probably within, you know, a day or two of when the actual legislative session is going to begin. Right. Um, and then we'll have, you know, a committee hearings, those first kind of half committee hearings, it's a short session. So it's a real tight window, two, three weeks, they're moving things out. Yeah. That filing deadline closes on February 9th. So you're gonna know who these legislators are gonna know whether they have primary opponents um, by you know the fourth week of session. And that has in the past dictated what they do. Yeah. Uh, and even great. even to a greater degree, just talking to leadership just in the last few weeks, guys like you and me, Brian, are being told, you know, the legislative session in 24 is gonna be quick. Yep. Uh, they always say that they'll fill whatever space, oh, yeah. of course, oh, yeah. with you know what whatever they do. But the added dynamic is this governor's race, um, in that there's going to be five candidates looking for a way to distinguish themselves from the field, yeah. which is going to be really hard. Right. Um, and so they're going to be looking at, looking to, and reacting to what the legislature is doing. Um, yep. And taking positions on those things, and that has, could have an impact in the primary, particularly for those legislators that may have an opponent. So there's just another layer to it that they've got to think through, um, which is right. going to put a little bit of a damping effect on what what happens this session. I think we yes. saw that with road funding getting punted yep. to, you know, to to 24 uh, before okay. they really do anything meaningful about funding. So but that's really the kind of the timeline and the di- you know the overall kind of high high level dynamics. Um, right. You know, in that governor's race, we haven't had an open race. Oh, 04 was the last time we had we had a race. David McIntosh lost in 2000. You know, the yeah. party was trying to totally rebuild in, in 02 to make a real run in 04. You had McIntosh wanting to run again. Murray Clark, who had run for lieutenant governor in 2000, was was running. Luke Kenley was running, former um, mm-hmm. you know chair of appropriations. And then Mitch Daniels kind of came in and cleared the field. We don't really have like a clear the field kind of guy here yet. Right. That right. could change. That could change. I don't I don't see yeah. that changing, but um this is kind of all new to us in modern Indiana politics having a field this crowded with this yep. many credible candidates with great resumes who have an unlimited pocketbook to pull from.
0: Yeah, and I think you made a great point that even though there are a couple unknown names, the backing and support financially that they have, they'll be well known within a couple months here for certain, so as you said, they're going to try and figure out how to kind of distinguish and, and separate themselves from the others that are in this race. Um, so let's do kind of a quick rundown of each of them. You know, some of them have definitely had some involvement, engagement in our industry, whether from state house or elected office or IEDC. Um, some of them perhaps not. And I, I think that's why it's good to kind of help educate our listeners today on kind of sure. who are these folks? Have they backed us? Have they have they been engaged in our side of things? And probably the most fair way to do this is alphabetically. That's the way I see everyone else doing it. So, um, <laughs> what, you know, kind of kick us off here with uh, US Senator Mike Braun, background, your thoughts, um, where he's at right now.
1: Yeah, kind of self made guy. Um, came of uh, started a logistics company in Jasper years ago, and it's been incredibly successful. And he used that experience to kind of parlay that into a, a state house run um, and served in the state. Um, State House of uh, representatives uh, for for a few terms, um, and then kind of st- he's an interesting guy. He's a, he's an executive by nature, and he and he keeps right. picking. He's 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 he now twice picked legislative seats to go run for, and didn't like it. You know, before, yes. you know, this is what what he always kind of said. He just doesn't feel like he can be as effective in in legislative roles. He could be in an executive role, so now he's running for running for governor. He of course won his U.S. Senate seat. He beat. He kind of came in as like you know as kind of the outsider business guy in 2018 when he ran um ran against two incumbent congressmen uh, luke messer and todd rakita who were trying to run it kind of ran up ran right up the middle yeah um you know with his rolled up blue button-down shirt you know (laughs) and his cardboard cutouts of the two congressmen it was kind of an ingenious campaign back then but uh but he's pivoted run for governor he, you know i think those of us around around him and around you know his brother um, steve also was kind of a self-made guy in, in tech and ran for congress right. uh several years ago and, and didn't make it but uh they're both kind of executives by by training um and mike uh you know really thinks that the executive office is probably the one for him
0: yeah you know and i, and I think back to uh when we did a big fly-in i think it was a year or so ago and we had dinner with him that like you mentioned, you know, we we were talking legislative issues and he really didn't seem to get that involved and interested. But boy, as soon as we started talking Indiana high-level politics and the administrative side of things, he really perked up, really got involved in the conversation. And, you know, from our perspective also, he was in the state house when we passed House Enrolled Act 1002, voted yes for that package. So he's been out there to vote on some of these, you know, more uh, complex Fiscal matters that we're gonna have to relook at in the next couple of years. He's also been a big uh, proponent of the Mid States corridor and advocating for invested infrastructure. Uh, yes, in his his area of the state, but he sees the value, the, the the benefits, economic development wise, in regards to infrastructure. So I think another great take with him. Um, what's tell us a little bit about Brad Chambers? Probably one of the lesser known um, that are out there, but jumped in the last couple of weeks. And obviously hitting the ground running, getting a lot of support from uh, some former individuals high up in state party. So tell us a little bit more about uh, Brad.
1: Yeah, so um, he started Buckingham um, years ago as a, a development company. Um, and it's been hugely successful in the Midwest. It's um, They've done kind of marquee projects, things you'd recognize in downtown Indianapolis like CityWay. Um, he was tapped to by Governor Holcomb to be Secretary of Commerce uh, a couple of years ago. Just stepped down from that role to run. Um, it, his candidacy kind of intrigues me. I mean, it, it, it's it's an answer to mostly a central Indiana business crowd um, right. that really wanted to see Mitch Daniels run or a Mitch Daniels type run, and that's who this is, right? So right. he's very much going to run in that profile. It's it's intriguing in a five way race. Can you can you be can you be kind of a, a social almost purple? candidate yeah. republican candidate for governor right. um, in a five-way race and win normally you've got to be putting your pro-life and your pro-gun uh, credentials on on yeah. full display and a guy like chambers is like look i don't care about any of that i'm not I'm, <laughs> exactly. he's not saying yeah. that it's just you got, right right you know, not an issue around, he's gonna take up. yeah yeah the people around him are like look he's just going to be who he is and he's not that <laughs> So <Yeah>. he's going <laughs> right. to be the economic development you know and, and hang his hat on you know we've got to get the you know, we've got to focus on the economy and, you know, one, one of the big things he's hanging his hat on and it's going to be interesting to see how this project moves forward, this LEAP project mm-hmm. in Boone County, which is a huge billion, multi-billion dollar investment from from the state to try to attract high tech um, investment and industry uh, to, to Indiana. It's caught a little controversy because of the water issues and the elect- how you're going to get electricity to it. It's got a massive footprint. Um, and so, and and it's not, and it's conceptual, right? So he's running in part on, I was a successful businessman in private life. I pivoted that to become a successful secretary of commerce with record investment, Mm -hmm. record jobs in the pipeline, record wage, you know, wage growth. Um, and also investing in this gigantic project that people in Boone County aren't thrilled about. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. A a whole lot of friends up there right now for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it'll, it's, it's. Innovative and create, you know, creative and historic um, for the right. states to go down that road, and and he'll he'll want yeah. to run on that. He'll be interested to see yeah. how you.
0: And how I we think the benefit that. that that brings in from our perspective also is each of these economic development projects has a huge investment in the infrastructure that's going to create them and develop them. So he's clearly going to have an understanding of the value and the importance of, you know, why you might need an interchange or roadway improvement, um, what that's going to mean big scale for the project. So. Kind of exciting to see him in there as well. We're hoping to get him at our November board meeting to come in and talk about some of his policies and ideas and thoughts for the future. So hopefully we'll we'll see that work out. Um, Next up on our list here, uh, a well-known name, obviously, Lieutenant Governor Suzanne Crouch, um, a strong advocate for our industry. She's been a strong supporter of the Ohio River crossing down in Evansville and and where she's you know kind of originally from. Um, Great relationship with her uh obviously she's she's been working in this for quite some time um give us a little more of your insider thoughts on on the lieutenant governor and kind of where she goes with this
1: yeah she's different than, than most of the fields she's, she's kind of done it all um yeah. been a statewide elected official twice uh lieutenant governor twice uh, she was auditor prior to that was in the state state house she's she's the candidate of, of all of them that can roll into anyone in 92 counties know exactly the top three people she needs to call you know once she crosses the county line um she's been known as a really good fundraiser someone who was kind of unlikely to be a a, a good fundraiser in the offices Mm -hmm. that she held which were not super high profile offices but has been kind of right on par with uh with four of the five others um who have raised right around that kind of four to five million dollar number so um she'll be in it's a you know and it's a play her her um Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the one the one thing she's gonna have to do with the primary crowd is separate herself a little bit from governor Holcomb um, yeah. who hasn't been super popular in that crowd coming out of covid and you know we saw that play itself out in the convention yeah. um, in 2022 um and so you know so she's got a little work to do to do there but she's well liked she's definitely got the best grassroots kind of retail network um, of the field uh, and the rest of them are gonna have to kind of play catch up on that but you know in a race where you're you're looking for you know what what's the what's the difference between these five people um you know so i think she's got the edge the edge there where she probably will be outspent you know her private she can't self fund her private you know she can she can go grind and grind and grind and raise you know another three to five million dollars and you know three out of five candidates in this race can just like open their wallet
0: (laughs) right yeah (laughs) right right and it's kind of interesting too, you know, she was, she seems to be pretty quick out there with policy and concepts and getting them out there. You know, there was the announcement a couple weeks ago, the general assembly is looking at uh, eliminating or phasing out the income tax. And she was real quick to be out there with the acts, the tax proposal. So like you said, she's covering a lot of ground. She's making a lot of calls. Um, I would tell you uh, from what I can tell, probably working it harder than just about any other candidate right now.
1: So yeah, that's just who she's always been. You know, yeah, she's, exactly. she can't sit still. She's always... Right. She, she's always you know trying to help you out I mean when we deal yes. with her just yeah. kind of on our issues and other things we work on at 1816 she'll just call and just chit chat about what what what's going on and next thing you know she's kind of working it for you kind of hears yeah, that she's right, right. you know, you didn't even ask her to and she's working she's working yeah for you.
0: definitely um so so next up on the list here Eric Doden former IEDC commissioner and uh we we had him join us at our last December uh holiday board meeting with Indiana constructors as well it was great to kind of get to sit down with him hear a little bit about his policy, but I think, you know, relatively new campaign at that time didn't have any deep positions on infrastructure investment. He's kind of that, you know, the Brad Chambers, but like you said, how Chambers is maybe not diving into some of the socially conservative issues. Dode might be tipping his toes in the water a little bit more on that. Um, you want to give us a little more rundown on him as well?
1: Yeah. You kind of captured, captured. He's very, he's got, he, he and chambers have very similar resumes um mm. yeah you know, successful in private life um successful family uh beyond that uh he's like the fort wayne version of yeah it, 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 he's he's the fort wayne to doden is kind yeah. of indianapolis brad chambers right so the, the, right. the background is very similar what they look like is really you know as you know it's candidates is is very um, it's very similar. He's had some really high profile projects up in Northeast Indiana. Um, but you're right. He's, he's more socially conservative, um, than than chambers and, and maybe right. than maybe than the field and, and as well to talk about that. So, I mean, that matters in a Republican primary. Um, yeah. if you can check, check both sides of that box. Um, yeah. but it starts it starts getting a little blurry for voters, yes. I think. Um, you've got Braun Chambers and Doden who are going to try to occupy that pipeline of, I'm, I'm the businessman with, you know, government's got to operate more like business and right uh, focus on economic development and their, and their, you know, successful stories uh, in, in private life. Uh, yeah. But it starts, it starts all kind of looking the same and you wonder what it, you know, where does that pull? And if you look at then Curtis Hill, um, yeah, right. on, the, on the social right, he's going to try to, you know, he's going to try to occupy that space that doden's gonna to have to go they're all gonna to have to go try to compete with but yeah um you know it just starts to, i think five you know again we're, we're new to this and i, I kind of joked yeah. you know i ran the governor's campaign governor holcomb's campaign in 2016 i was right in the middle of all the you know pence getting picked up for vice president and then us selecting you know the republicans having to select a candidate for governor and then i went and ran that campaign in 16 but uh, but i joked on the back end and recently that if you asked me sitting here in 2015, what was going to happen in 2016, I would have gotten everything wrong down to the, who right. was running. Yeah. You know, right. Who was exactly. running? What happened? Yeah. Next. Um, yeah. You know, so I, you know, I love coming on podcasts and talking about this stuff, but no one really knows what's yeah. going to happen
0: right. next. You know, and, and I agree. I mean, Kurt, former attorney general Curtis Hill is kind of the, maybe that out in the left field. I, I know you don't hear him talked about a, a whole lot, but every now and then I hear this and it's a, re- a reminder for me that, he still holds the highest total vote in an election in Indiana history. Um, so the name recognition's out there. Now th- that might've been down ballot votes or, you know, just checking party ballot, but um, still, uh, you know, obviously a, a valid contender that's out there. And so, so we've got those five. Yeah. Um, I mean, he pulls, kind of, he pulls do...
1: eight or 10, just do the math, right? I mean, if yeah, you right. start with a hundred and he pulls 10, now you're, now you got four people splitting up 90 and you're at 25. Or, that's the chambers. I think that's the yeah. chambers path. It's like, can yeah. I go possess myself as the moderate, sane person right. um, who's only focused on economic development and pulled 25 or 30% of the vote? Yeah. And, they, and you're oh. the nominee, right?
0: Right, right, exactly. Um, so something you kind of alluded to earlier, and, and I still think maybe is a possibility. Um, you know, we've got five candidates out there right now. Can we see a six, do you think? I mean, there's still a lot of time out there when some people look at and say, if the, the pie is getting divvied up enough, there is an opportunity for me to get in there, split it up even more. Um, or do you think the field's kind of set?
1: I think the field's kind of set. You know, it's at some point you start. Um one, it's a credible field, you know, right. um, Curtis Hill notwithstanding. Um but the, the other four are there's there's no one like pining for another option here. You know, yes, there's right. there's there's a diverse you have a diverse field in front of you, you've got a credible field in front of you that check every box or multiple boxes that you want to check in a in a republican primary you also start bumping up against the practicality of being like an upstart um candidate that's actually got to get on the ballot you know so some right you know some of your you know some of our members and listeners might not know that you you have to get 500 certified signatures from each congressional district yeah which means you actually need like 800 because people are going to sign twice they don't know any better they're going to get their address wrong it's going to be an old registration it's going to get uh, it's it's not going to be certified so you've got to kind of overproduce right um, and, and that five, five six seven eight hundred signatures doesn't sound like a lot until you're standing out <laughs> in front of walmart in december or knocking on doors in november during <laughs> thanksgiving dinner trying to get somebody somebody on the ballot so at some point procedurally it, it became becomes impractical to get yeah. in too late because you can go buy that kind of operation you can go buy you know, a grassroots ground game that comes in the state and and goes and actually does that for you. We had to do that with Dan Coates back in 2010 because he got in so late. Um, I literally remember knocking on doors on Super Bowl Sunday when the Colts were playing the Saints. Uh, t- collecting signatures for Dan Coates uh, <laughs> because he got in like with two or three weeks to go before the yeah. before the deadline. <laughs> um, I, I I did stop knocking on doors at kickoff. I didn't actually. There you know. go. Yeah, <laughs> just it's uh, going to backfire on you. I want to sure. hurt him. You know, right, but right, he, exactly. At some point, it just becomes impractical. You're looking at a hugely expensive yeah. oh, primary yeah. that we're not. You know, it's of the money. It's at least going to be twenty million because that's how much has been raised so far. You know, so we know it's going to be right. forty. Yeah, you know, before right. it's before it's all said and done, um, yeah. you know. So competing at that level in that crowded space with, and then you've got a presidential primary sitting, which we haven't talked about.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah. What's the
1: what's the impact of the presidential primary at that point? Yeah. What is trying? I mean is right. is there a is there a protest vote on Trump? Yeah. Um. Is there a is there a wave to go support Trump because he's been indicted yeah, again? Right. He's been charged. You know, or, and that no. that that has an impact. Um, and then who's aligned themselves? Does Trump endorse? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, Mike Braun's been, you know, on Fox News as much as anybody, um, and it's yep. not and has not been critical of Trump. Um, yeah. You know, so all those things just
0: yeah, a lot of other little factors that are gonna they're gonna add up for sure.
1: Yeah. and if and if and if you're at the profile level of somebody who can get in as like the sixth option, it's likely you're already in office. Yeah. Um, right. And. You look around and think, okay, well, who who's who's willing to roll the dice and give it up? What give up whatever they've got, yeah, right? To try to go get 20% of the vote number in a gubernatorial primary. Yeah. Tough. So tough, all that okay. just, you know, you gotta think about all the yep. lovers here. Exactly. Exactly. So so
0: another interesting thing, you know, with this, we talked about how many candidates are in. This is very unique right now. Another interesting aspect of this, the lieutenant governor's race. Um, I, I think probably a lot of people not real familiar with how this works. I think most people typically think that you've got a gubernatorial candidate who's going to say, this is my lieutenant governor, but that's really not the way the process works. And it seems to be playing out a little different this year with a couple names that are out there. You want to kind of talk us through how that works and, and what's sure. going on different this year than what we've seen in the past as well?
1: Yeah, Well, people think that that's how it works because that's how it's always worked, right? Um, yeah, but procedure, that's always how it's worked out. How about that? Yes, yes, procedurally, that's not you're right, that's absolutely not how it works, which <laughs> is insane to me. Yes, um, right. that, that you could have a but, but in, incredibly savvy on the part of Micah Beckwith, who has yeah. run for things before. Yep. Um, he's a pastor from central kind of north central Indiana. Um, was good, was rumored to run for the fifth district that's open mm-hmm. fifth, fifth congressional district that's open and then kind of surprised most by pivoting and running for the lieutenant governor um and not it, not only running for the lieutenant governor, but in in a way that was like, I will keep whoever the, the nominee is accountable to yes. conservative values and social values right. and all this yep. all this stuff. so I mean it, the, the 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 environment is combative. <laughs> so I'm gonna hey, go to the right, right go out to the gate. This convention. Yeah. Right out of the gate it's like i don't care who the nominee is i'm, I'm going to be there to you know keep them accountable no, yeah well and you're president the, and you've got a platform in that you're the president of the senate you know you're straight you're standing on the floor of the senate every day yeah um you know at the at the rostrum so there, there's a platform for that procedurally how that works is we in in the primary election on may um may 7th uh we'll elect the the gubernatorial nominee Mm-hmm. That'll be who that, that nominee is. And then, but we'll also now we'll also elect uh, delegates to the state party convention. Both parties do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, the, in the Republican primary, you'll elect delegates, then we'll convene um, five or six weeks later uh, to elect the um, attorney general candidate, candidate for attorney general, and the candidate for lieutenant governor. Um, but that does not have to be who the government gubernatorial candidate wants it can be anybody so i thought it was pretty savvy by micah beckwith to pivot to this given how the last few conventions have gone where we've had holly sullivan got upset by diego right and part of that was a protest vote on holcomb uh, appointing holly after connie lawson stepped down um it was kind of a protest of you know covid and that played that that played in that race um but so these convention crowds and this isn't unique to eric holcomb i, mean, I was right. standing in the convention crowd when john costas um when greg zeller got nominated over mitch daniels pick for attorney general john costas um in a protest vote to mitch daniels you know the, like we yeah. lose these things to history as we you know right, years right. go by that, exactly. that, that, that these that these dynamics are, aren't unusual yeah. um you know and that convention crowd doesn't want to be whether i was county chairman i'm in a district, congressional district chairman i've run a million caucuses where life an official steps down, and we got to go pick one. Those yeah. people do not want to be people in that room. Do not want to be told who the person's going to be. Right. You know, they were elected yeah. a delegate. They want they yeah. want to be courted and they want to make their own decision. Yeah. And they don't like you know the you know the gods at state party coming down on them, telling them what yep. you know what the what the outcome yeah. is going to be. Uh, and when we try to do that, backfires. we just tried to do that. It usually backfires. Yeah. Um, and so Micah's going to going to go test that theory um i i think there'll be i don't know we'll we'll see i mean if it's, we'll see what kind of support whoever comes out of the the primary has because you could have you could have a situation where you've got you know 60 70 percent of the republican electorate that didn't vote for the gubernatorial candidate that got nominated yeah Um, right in that environment you know mike you know a guy like mike can go in and really try to take advantage of that yeah, it's a great point. So so
0: we have spent the first half an hour here talking about Republicans, but we can't forget we've I also have a Democrat candidate over on the governor's side as well. It, you know, it's it's tough because, yes, Indiana' is about as red as I can ever remember it being. We have super majority in the state House. Um, but Democrats do continue to feel like and and say they've they've got data that helps support this could be a competitive governor's race. I think most people I talk to say that's likely not going to be the situation. But um, can you share with us a little bit about uh, Dr. Jennifer McCormick, kind of her background, and and how she'll likely be the Democrat nominee?
1: Yeah, she's a longtime educator, superintendent, uh, school superintendent, who uh, was nominated and elected in uh, 2016 um, to replace uh, or to run against um, oh God, Glenda. Um, Ritz, yeah. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <So, laughs> I intentionally blocked that name for my my. <laughs> yeah, thing. um, and and, and one in one in sixteen, and then um, yeah. then the legislature made that position appointed, um, yeah. and she chose not to, you know, continue serving in that. So um, know, yeah. so moved on, and, and that's not an appointed appointed office. So, um, she then you know went on this tour with Eddie Melton, who's gonna be the next mayor, Gary, um, right? In this kind of high profile, you know as these things go uh, yeah, statewide right. tour uh, and and left and left the party became a democrat and i was and i was running for you know running for governor i don't i i've always you know as a republican you know former county chairman and kind of operative who kind of lives in that world i'm never you know shutting the door before it right before yeah. election night but before election night so right you know, yeah. um you've always got to think um you've always got to keep checking your blind spot and keep watching, you know, listening and paying right. attention to the electorate and things can, things can move fast. Uh, I don't, I don't see yet what the catalyst is for Democrats being right. competitive at the statewide level, which they haven't been since 2012. And even then it was when Republicans kind of lost an election instead of Democrats winning one. Um, we saw in 20, those, those days of Frank Obama and in the days of Evan Bay, Yeah. um, those were made possible by voters south of US forty who were pro life and pro-gun and Mm -hmm. small government conservatives, but they're also Democrats because yeah. Grandpappy was a Democrat and (laughs) (laughs) they very much identified with with the Southern voter of the United in the United States. That all changed in two thousand eight and two thousand ten. It's a different thing when you go win an election or you go or you lose an election. That's different. Prior to t- 2010 in Indiana, than when a massive number of voters changed their party identity, right? Whole wholesale. They didn't yeah. change it for a governor's race. They changed it for every race. Yeah. Um, it, and that and that's when we got all these elected local elected officials Republicans elected. It's when we were able to get huge majorities in the legislature because all the Southern Democrats got unelected. Um, all all the river seats went Republican. That's yep. fundamentally, that's a fundamentally different shift than a voter just picking between two candidates. They, they yeah. picked between two parties and stayed there right. um, and, have, and have stayed there. And so the math is next to impossible Yes. Um, in Indiana. And it, it, I, I'd like to joke with people that, you know, when, when they talk about Jennifer McCormick and this data, it's, it's absurd to me if someone asked me, hey, when are we going to get around to elect a Republican governor of Illinois? That yeah sounds right, insane I agree. yeah <laughs> right, right, that right. sounds insane that could yeah. probably like you had rauner which was kind of a one-off yeah you know everybody's going to prison but um <laughs> <laughs> over there it, yeah. it's just that's just where we're at that's just where we're at in america right now it's it's polarized yep. it's tribalism it's you're picking you're either wearing the red jersey or you're wearing the blue jersey and i'm not really interested in wearing a purple one yeah um you know, and I'm just forever. I'm for whoever's wearing it. You know, that's as true in blue right. states as 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 red states, and we just happen to be the red state. And there's reasons for that that yeah. are really good, and there's reasons that are that are actionable and things that the government has done here that are that people like balanced budgets. You know, good, yep. road, you know, great transportation, good roads. Right. Um, and there's reasons that transcend that, which which is where we're at right now. Now, I'm not saying that's how it's going to be forever. It never is, but I just don't see in the next 14 months. Right. Where Democrats go make a case, except it was said said to me the other day, um, if if we nominate Curtis Hill and Jennifer McCormick doesn't talk to anybody, there's a chance they could, Democrats could win the (laughs) the governor's office.
0: (laughs) Interesting take for sure, for sure. So, um, so all of this, you know, we've talked about seven or eight individuals here, but all of this is creating a lot of down ballot openings and kind of the domino effect, which We've seen several times over the last couple of elections here, um, Senator Braun, you know, running for governor, opening up a, a Senate seat. It looks like current Congressman Jim Banks from 3rd District pretty much on cruise control. This is probably a pretty quick, easy one to talk about. Um, you know, it sounds like right now he's unopposed in the primary. There may be a candidate potentially, but it doesn't sound like that's going to happen either. So it looks like he's in the driver's seat
1: yeah i've not seen anything quite like it i mean one he earned it um right right you know he's laid the groundwork for this he's you know he's represented northeast indiana but he's been a statewide guy for a while you know just building the network yeah. and um you know so he's not just being handed to it he definitely earned it um you know it, it, just look like at the support that's lining up around him the club for growth came in hot and heavy for, for him earlier yeah, mitch right. Daniels was still kicking yeah. the tires and you know, kind of led this like cringeworthy mini campaign against, you know, Mitch Daniels, which, um, you know, nobody wanted to see in in the Republican Party, wanted to see that war. Uh, You know, and and so then the field's then kind of clear, right? Then state party endorses them. Braun just endorsed them last week. Um, That allows, the state party endorsement allows the Republican National Committee and the National Republican Senatorial Committee to come in and help. Clemford Rose obviously still there. This John Rust guy um, is the one you mentioned. Yeah. um, it, I didn't I did an interview in the Washington Examiner a couple weeks ago because they called and they were, they really were sold on this is gonna be a real competition. Um, I don't know who sold them on that. It must have been John yeah. Rust. Right. Yeah. <laughs> to, that's the I way it goes to, that's to talk him out of it, but they you know, they ran the yeah. story anyway. Um, funny. So, but I don't don't think anyone's looking at that Senate seat and thinking it's going to be anybody other than Jim Banks. Right. I agree.
0: So, so with him moving on to the Senate, then again, that opens up his seat, Uh, third district in Congress, a couple individuals that are running, uh, Judge Wendy Davis, former or current state senator in Andy Zay, former Congressman Marlon Stutzman. Um, Sounds like a pretty competitive race may come down to how kind of Fort Wayne breaks down in the different regions and the suburbs around Fort Wayne. Um, Any quick takes on that race?
1: just what i hear i mean when you're I, I live in central indiana so i don't i don't i just kind of hear what i'm you know i'm repeating what i'm hearing from people up in that area um, yeah. Zay's kind of got you know a pretty solid footprint in fort wayne where he you know he's represented for a while stutzman is more up in the northern part of the district yeah. um, which is more conservative which aligns with him um yeah. you know a little bit better wendy davis was really uh really seem to be a lot of the chatter seemed to be around her early but it's right. you know just it sounds like that's fallen off a little bit. I don't have a good I don't have a good sense yeah. of who's coming out of that primary at this point. Same
0: and I'm I'm hearing the same things up there right now is yeah, exactly what you are. So um another congressional district that's open, uh Congresswoman Victoria Sparks announced quite a while ago that she was done, she was not going to seek re-election. Um, that allowed current uh, state representative Chuck Goodrich to to make his big announcement, also a self-funder. A couple other names that have gotten in, Raju Chintala, who uh, I believe the treasurer of Hamilton County Republican Party, so definitely some connections mm-hmm. there. And then Siddharth Manhunt, um, who also Businessman, self-funder uh all three of these i believe are coming in with quite a bit of money it sounds like it's chuck goodrich that's kind of the leading contender right now but do you think this could get to a competitive spot
1: sounds like they're going to set a pile of money on fire yes yeah. that's, that's, <laughs> <true>. <laughs> that's for sure. right sure so yeah uh, goodrich already lent himself a million dollars um mahan said he'd double it um i don't know i don't Raju I've known for a long time. He's been kind of a volunteer. He's, you know, you see him at everything. He's one of those guys that you just, he's always around. Yeah. Um, And uh, seems to have done well in his his own life. I don't know, I don't know financially what kind of commitment he's made, made to it, but this starts getting pretty like hard to even find ad time, you know, I mean, you you can spend, you put think about in this prime it'll be 50 million dollars probably in the mix 40 40 50 million dollars if you if you add up the governor's race if you add up the u.s senate race if you add up you know maybe we have a competitive presidential race we've got two um two kind of crowded congressional races yeah uh breaking through is going to start to be a challenge um goodrich goodrich has got a you know already got a good profile in that district um right he's not only in his public life as a state representative, but in his private life and um, you know in, in uh, his construction business. So um, I think I think it's definitely Goodrich definitely has the edge there. But you know it sounds like these other guys may throw in yeah. throw in and try to try to bite up.
0: Yep. And I I had somebody ask me last week what Congresswoman Sparks is moving on to, and I said that I have no clue. I haven't heard anything, but. Um, the way she has been operating the last couple of weeks, and I i live in this district, I'm getting mailers again all of a sudden from her. I, I told the person I was speaking with, I said, if the way she operates, she may announce in a couple of weeks she's back in and she wants to run. So who knows what's going to happen here? <laughs> who knows? <laughs> who knows? Um, a, a couple of last ones here for you. Uh, this one, perhaps a little speculation, but I think those in the hallway, those that are, are insiders starting to say there might be some some reality to this. The 4th District, Congressman Baird, Um, there's been some rumors that he may not seek re-election. We've already got one, actually two state legislators kind of interested in this, um, one being his son, another first-term state rep. Uh, Do you think there's any validity to this? Um, Is it something we should be kind of watching, another potential turnover here in Indiana?
1: For sure, there's too much smoke to not right I a fire yeah, right. <laughs> There's some fire, fire over there right yeah uh, so yeah craig haggard's not you know he's he's uh you, know, you run into him anywhere you can't wait to tell you he's running for congress uh um, oh yeah oh yeah you know so uh you know and i know i know uh beau baird jim's son uh is was also the putnam county uh republican chairman uh which is kind of right in the heart of that right yeah. in the heart of that district so um we'll see i know i think i know they're planning i, I don't know you know Jim's intentions. I don't know. You know the assumption I think is that Bo would run for that. Uh, whether Jim runs again, I don't know. But I, I, I do know that they're they're planning on they're expecting a fight, no yeah. matter who's running uh, right. with, with Haggard.
0: Yep. So the last one I got for you today, um, six congressional district. Uh, one name we didn't mention earlier, but we did talk a little bit about the lieutenant governor's race definitely been some conversations chatter out there that uh, Lieutenant Governor Crouch is looking at current Congressman Greg Pence potentially to be a lieutenant governor by her side again, we talked about that that's not exactly how the process works but it's been floated out there he may be looking to run at Lieutenant Governor um, mm-hmm. if he does um you know does that potentially open things up in the sixth District are there any names that you're hearing floating around right now of people interested in that?
1: The, the only, um, so if you look at the legislators from that, whose districts overlap the six or they live in the six, mm-hmm. um, it's a pretty interesting group. It's some guys that have been in guys like Mike or Greg Walker guys have been in the you know, legislature for a long time. And maybe, it, maybe if it makes sense to make a move. Probably does. maybe, maybe not. Yeah. Um, there's also like a lot of young new guys, Corey Criswell yeah, is one great. of those guys, uh, Rob Green in Shelby County. Um, yeah. But you look at it, and that district's interesting. It's always thought of as like a east-southeast district, but it actually runs yes. into, it's it's east-central now, it's essentially yeah. redistricting. And it also right. has the southern portion of Marion County, the southern townships in yep. Marion County. And so I know Mike Speedy's name has been, uh, Representative Speedy's name has been floated for uh, for that. Um, he's been a good, you know, great for us to work with. Um, Brad Barrett is in that district. Uh, I right. only mentioned yeah. that because he's a really good legislator. Um, yeah and really a, a relatively young guy and would be awesome um, if he wasn't enjoying his life so much not being a congressman right. <laughs> right. telling, yeah, I'll, exactly. I'll let him take himself out of it but um, yeah but right. I just you know he, he uh, he's he's a great state legislator and really yeah. likes the space that he's got he's a retired doctor and chairs um, the health committee and I think he just really enjoys that that space and right, isn't right. looking to spend half of his life in DC but um, it'll be interesting one thing I can't Maybe you know and I've I've forgotten. I can't remember <laughs> if you can run in a convention and stay on the ballot. So would it matter if uh um, I was about to ask
0: you the exact same question because I know depends. you can't have I, your I name have have on have the ballot in two spots, but I'm not sure about convention. Someone's gonna have, have to have. dig into this.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I should have uh I, sh- I should have gone one layer deeper when I was thinking about yeah. this today. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Next time. <laughs> we'll see. Next time.
0: Yeah. Well, hey, we've covered a lot of ground today. I really appreciate you coming on, joining us, sharing this. Uh, like you said earlier, I think it'll be interesting. I'm going to listen to this podcast again, maybe in 12, 18 months, and see <laughs> how much of this actually came true and how much just we were way off on. But it's uh, a problem
1: when we record these thoughts. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> they don't have a very good shelf life. Sometimes. It'll never go away.
0: It'll never go away. Yeah. So, uh, Mike O'Brien, 1816 Public Affairs Group, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for your insider views here. Great to have you on the podcast.